0: Welcome to Volume 1, Issue 12 of the Cane podcast. This week, it's Bayonetta, Vanquish and Platinum Games. Seeded in 2006 from the ashes of Capcom's Clover Studio, Platinum's key personnel were enough to inspire awe in many Eastern-focused video game fans. Their initial releases, Mad World on the Wii and Infinite Space for DS, disappointed and confused, respectively, before their first product for the Xbox 360 and PS3 garnered a coveted 10 out of 10 in UK's Edge magazine. Please note... Spoilers are highly likely. Joining me, Leon Cox, this week on Cane and Rinse, it's, welcome back, Tony Atkins. Hello, I'm back. He's back. Back, yeah. And next week, hopefully. All being well. And the week after, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, And Josh Garrity, also back. Hello. Hello. And uh, return of Darren Foreman.
1: Good evening, wonderful friends.
0: The one with the mental accent, uh... Very briefly, before we start uh, I, was, um, I had a conversation with someone on the internet who shall remain nameless, who I play words with friends with who uh, was convinced that last time you were on Darren you opened with a what's up because N- <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a complete racist at the best of times that's what I said I said he's known he's known as a as a hard right, but in fact, what you'd said is <laughs> howdy amigos. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's quite easy to confuse those two, you know. So, yeah. It's still quite racist. Yeah, they're, very, they're actually quite similar on meaning, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: so, yeah. Hi, hi to the, he who shall not be named. Uh, so, Bayonetta, then. It came out in October 2000 and, uh, 2009 in Japan. We had to wait three months everywhere else until January 2010. It is, of course, directed by Hideki Kamiya, Famous for Resident Evil Two and Resident Evil Zero, Beautiful Joe Akami, and more. Um, this was a day one purchase for me. Uh, I was aware of the Edge Ten, not you know, not that I agree with all of those, but it normally means something that's at least worth worthy of attention. As at this point, there had been only about six or eight or something like that in the magazine's seventeen-year history. Uh, I was a fan of Devil May Cry, and obviously, this was looking like some kind of twisted spiritual successor to DMC, Um, but obviously it had current-gen PS3 and 360 graphics, although I I am aware that the 360 version is widely regarded as the one to get if you have the choice, due to a slight murkiness present on the PS3. Uh, Rushed out and bought it, and yeah, I, 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 I absolutely worshipped it from the minute I started playing it. Uh, I totally understood the 10 out of 10 review. I did feel it defined an echelon in terms of responsive action games, but also had this incredibly strong audio visual appeal, um, as well as lots of fan service to general video games, nods to Capcom and Sega. A couple of missteps, the motorbike level being probably the most controversial. Too long. Too long. Mm. The Space Harrier level less so. Um, but overall i played this uh through more than once and uh kept playing it to unlock more and more stuff and uh i never quite did the thousand points i know uh our friend james midgemeister perkins um did that and Tony, me did you yeah. and you you did it as I well did, yeah. fair play um but i was at the stage of repeatedly playing certain levels uh there's a there's a a a button a secret button combination to super fast skip cutscenes which as brilliant as they are when you're playing these levels over and over and over again you don't need to watch them every time um, and once you've played the, the game through a couple of times you'll be finding yourself jumping in and out of levels just to uh, accrue halos which are a lot like and I'm sure it's deliberate uh, sonics rings in sort of audio visual sense and uh, to farm, basically farming halos to buy more and more stuff, um, both consumables, lollipops, and uh, what else is there? I can't remember now. Various other items that you sort of fuse together to make different power-ups.
2: Yeah, different combinations of weapons and stuff.
0: Different combos. Yeah. And yeah, and the main thing is that you can buy more and more uh, weapons and costumes and everything else to make the game more and more fun so uh who else was, did everyone buy this the minute it came out hit the streets
3: yeah i did um based on the positive press that it was getting um out of japan and from people like edge and so forth and i was a big fa- i'm a big fan of the like character action style game yeah. like devil may cry and god of war so it was looking like it was going to be something right up my street and it was i think it's uh, brilliant uh, we were talking about um how certain games over time decrease or increase in value when you look back at them yeah. and i feel bayonetta has really increased in value in my mind as i've um as the years have gone, well, year yes. has gone by. Uh, it's almost um, two years now, really, isn't it? Really? Now, think oh it, well, god! Oh, yeah,
0: it was January 2010. We're one month away from January 2012. So, oh, but god, yes, right. um, yeah, I, I agree entirely. I my car, uh, my copy is currently out on loan to uh, our editor Jay Taylor. Uh, but so today I was um, reduced to watching sections of it on video. But it gave me that shit-eating grin all over again. And I was desperate <laughs> to play it uh, at the, while I was watching it, just thinking oh my god, this game just lives so fondly in my memory. So yeah, I agree 100%. Darren,
2: were you so quick up on, on the
1: uptake of it? Because I wasn't. Yeah, I did. I mean, obviously I'm into my action games and... And your Japanese stylistics. Yeah, that as well. Um, also, there was the fact that Play were doing the Climax Edition for free if you, possibly if you pre-ordered it, or just the limited run at the start. And I got my hands on one of those. So yeah, I picked it up quite quickly.
2: So I'm I'm the complete opposite to all three of you. Then
1: I remember
0: nagging you, Tony, yeah. about not playing it on Twitter.
2: So I mean, this is one of the the, the weird, uh, not the only, the occasion this has happened. But um, I saw the Edge ten out of ten, and at the time I was like, oh my god, Edge gave this a ten out of ten. Like, wow, it must be something really, truly special.
0: Yeah, we should say it wasn't actually. You know, it was anticipated, but it wasn't. Yeah, I think it wasn't that. that people were like. Thinking, all oh, right, okay. Here's another one of those Japanese action games that'll probably be a bit like Devil May Cry, and it'll be good, but it won't be, you know, it won't be anything to set the world on fire. Yeah,
2: and and you know, whether you like the magazine or not, I think every time Edge gives out a ten out of ten, I do not. Well, maybe, but you know, it it garners a lot of publicity around it because you know they they tend to be pretty strict on their scores. Um, so when I saw that, I was like, this, you know, clearly I need to check this out. Um, at the same time, um, Platinum released a, a demo for Bayonetta. Um, I played it and really didn't get on with it at all. Mm. Uh, it, well, I was at that point then saying, well, you know, clearly Edge have no idea what they're talking about, this is ridiculous, you know, this game just, it's so over the top, I can't get my head around it. <laughs> um, And, you know, once again, it was fairly like, meh, pretty dismissive of it, and I, there was a, a fair big group of people who was doing that, because, you know, for all the love and praise that we saw on Twitter, you know, we always felt like, oh, you've got to have some sort of balance, we've played the demo, we know how this pans out, right? Um, mm. yeah. That praise didn't go away for the year. Um, I kept kind of questioning people, like, really, is it that good? Is it that good? Should I be playing it for the end of year consideration type stuff? And um, a few very close friends and, you know, people, peers that I really do respect, they were saying, no, you really have to play like this. Like me. Like you. Yes, like you. <laughs> Ryan Ashley and people like that. But, but my ego. But um, so I thought, well, you know, what is the worst that can happen? By this point, it was really cheap. I think I, I picked it up for about £15. Um, yeah.
0: You can buy it even on digital, on demand, on the 360 for £15 now. That's how cheap it is. I'm
1: been. pretty sure you could actually buy it for about half price two weeks after release. Yeah. It yeah, didn't keep the use... price very long. No. So
2: I picked it up and thought, well, what's the worst going happen? And and I played it. It was the Christmas period. I remember just like a, a bit of time off over Christmas. And um, for about five days, I played Bayonetta five times. Whoa. Oh. Um, and... Absolutely adored every single moment of it. Understood why everybody loved it, um, and hopefully we can break down some of the the highlights of why this game is pretty much an essential in anybody's collection. I say so. Yes, was late late to it, uh, but it didn't but do any, it, any harm. It was really. not
0: diminished. No, far from it. Darren, uh, were you anticipating this? Obviously, you've you've said that you're you're not somebody who uh, particularly cares what Edge or does or doesn't think, um, but. You'd have had this on your radar as a fan of Japanese character action games, presumably.
1: that much. I mean, the DMC pedigree didn't really necessarily mean that I was going to enjoy this game. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, Devil May Cry 1, I played it through and I never really enjoyed it that much. Yeah. Devil May Cry 2, less said Disaster. about that the battle. Yeah. <laughs> Devil May Cry 3, loved it. Yeah, I could go into a lot of reasons why, but um, I just really thoroughly enjoyed my time in the game. And then I heard this was coming out, same style. Um, obviously, getting a lot of praise, and just the sheer amount of goodwill that it was getting. Obviously, you can't really know that if you're a fan of the genre, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, did you play DMC Four on? This I gen? did, yeah. And what, that widely seems to be. I never played it, but um, I, I really enjoyed DMC Three as you did. Although I never got. No doubt, I never got as good at it as you did, but um, DMC four seemed to be met with uh, a moderate response. Yeah. But, you I know, think moderate
1: the- is a very good way to describe it. It's not <laughs> yeah. a car crash, but no. Uh, there's no spark of brilliance in it either. It's no DMC uh, two, but-, but it's no DMC
3: three. Oh, either. definitely yeah. not. Yeah, no.
2: But uh, I mean, th- but this would be a reason is I-, I didn't go into this game because I've never really been a huge fan of those you know character action, well over the top action games. You know, I, I was okay with stuff like God of War. But DMC, it just, I could never get my head around the combo system, and thus yeah. and it seemed quite alien to me. Um, so that, that's probably one of the reasons when I tried the demo. It's like, ah, oh, great, and I won these combo action driven games, yay. And I had played DM- DMC4, and I got about halfway through that game, but that was really hard. I found that game very, very hard to get mm. through, and, and I never completed it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, halfway through, you get to control of Dante again, who's. I mean, he's obviously the fan favourite, but in that game, he's just not as fun to play as his Nira.
0: So what what was your initial response as, uh, yeah, perhaps, I don't know, but maybe you had the most experience of this kind of game and perhaps, you know, you uh, are the best qualified to talk about it in gameplay terms?
1: I'm not sure about that so much. Um, The thing is, um, I've always been conflicted about this game. Okay. Like, it it controls really fluidly and it does a lot of really interesting and clever... uh, Things with the mechanics, mm. you know, such as the ability to dodge at any time, and yeah. which time is a, is a work of genius. The main thing in a character action game, you've got to be mobile. You've always got to be able to avoid attacks, no matter what you're doing. And this game nails that. What it didn't get for me mm. was the, the artificial intelligence of the enemies. The enemies in this game are, are really astoundingly thick.
3: Oh. Really? Yes, really, Absolutely you see cuz i i know you're probably going to disagree with me on this but i i think it's really close to uh the enemies are really close to devil may cry 3 in terms of intelligence mm. i've i've never played so. i've never played a game that uh that is that close to that quality of enemies uh as bayonetta um i don't think anything comes close i i i'm i do you want to give me an example just so i can wrap my head around it um. Well, that's the obvious one. The
1: enemies are ninja gaiden; they are intelligent.
0: So, so you're. Yeah, th- this is from your your. Uh, it's it's kind of going As back a to ninja that. Yeah. Uber player, um, perhaps the enemies don't come up to that level. But, but compared yeah, to de- I, I think Josh is right. Compared to Devil May Cry three, compared I don't to think... pretty
1: much, well, nearly any kind of straight up action game, they are at least comparable You know, like yeah. some of the bigger enemies are quite vicious. And it's just dodge. that
0: you know, some of them dodge. They each have, it's, it's that thing where, you know, there's a menagerie that you come to recognize by the yeah. end of the game the and they each have their own quirks and
1: There problems. are individual enemies in this that are very, they're sly and they're ferocious and they will go for you. But they're not, um, they're not really the standard. For instance, the Joys, you know, they're a good enemy. Yeah. The boss fights with Jean, they are fantastic. You know, she is the closest thing to being an actual, genuine thinking threat in this game that i found
0: yeah and but actually the i mean isn't that that makes perfect sense actually throughout in the cutscenes and the little lots of little moments the enemies are portrayed as really they're just stupid demons and and they're they are actually uh, i I wanted to say that visually i think the enemy design is my favorite in any game ever of its type that the monster's the bosses in particular, but The visual design even, is excellent, yes. Even even the everyday monsters look stunning. Um, but there's often cutscenes where the, the enemies are made to Bayonetta basically dances around and makes them look really fucking stupid. You know, literally bloodies their noses in, in on occasion. The torture attacks, they they tend to the enemies tend to have stunned days looks on, looks on their faces. Whereas, as you say, her fights with Jean who is her witch, witchy sister um, and has a comparable skill level? What about the fight with uh, Doppelganger, Demon, uh, Bayonetta? That's that's quite close, isn't it? Is she yeah,
1: not- that's another good example. Um, mm. As I said, I mean, it's not just that every enemy was stupid, it's just that a lot of the cannon for our are there to combo. And I would just prefer that if every enemy was a little bit more intelligent, a little bit more vicious. That's just a personal thing, though, you know?
0: Yeah, I think so, The, yeah. the
1: thing is, it is a very combo-based game. It's, the, the, the fun in this is really beating the living shit out of an enemy
0: yeah.
1: to excessive levels of violence.
0: Yeah, using your favourite loadout, um, which increases the more you play, you end up with more and more uh, customisable kit, depending on which shoes you prefer, which weapon see, you prefer I,
2: I don't see it as an intelligence thing I see it more of a, a way to build up a combo you, you, like any good game or any good combo driven game you have the cannon fodder that are there purely in this case to build up your, your bar to, you know, to unleash better witch time or whatever um, but it, it's to do more about once again crowd controllers because some of those bigger guys although yeah, they may be lumbering towards you but they have that fear of one or two hits and you will die um, so you know, you're you're beaten against the smaller guys to you know uh, lead yourself into a better position to be able to deal with the big guys. But I, I can I can kind of understand where your intelligence is coming from because they don't necessarily dodge out the way you'd expect them to. But I, I think that's more of a gameplay mechanic rather than um, just bad AI programming.
1: That's the thing. I mean, I'm not saying that it was unintentional. I mean, you do as as you said, combo-driven game. There is a difference between a combo-driven action game and what I class as more a straight-up action game, where the enemies are. I mean, you don't even need to combo them. It's just about staying alive.
0: I think the the joy of the game is in the fact that it's so combo dependent. It's the first game of its type that made me want to get really good at it. Mm-hmm. Often, I used to read threads about the Devil May Cry games, and and these high level players would be talking about you know how you would uh, open up with a certain kind of attack, and then leave certain amount of frames, and you know it's that that very very high level of like play Street that, Fighter
2: play almost, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But in a but in an arena, this was the first time that I felt like with with the combination of the customization of the character and which time, which I believe is unavailable on the hardest setting. Yeah, which I, I never fancy yeah. non-stop climax. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which time effectively is a is slow mo is matrix time where if you dodge if you dodge at the last minute you. You open up a window which allows you to think about what you're doing a bit more, which is perfect for someone like me who's perhaps not the uber fastest on on the controller. Um, and I just found myself wanting to play sections over and over again until I got that pure platinum medal and, and the sound effect that accompanied it. And uh, certainly there's still many, many sections which I need to go back to and do. I'd probably have to relearn the entire game. But the sheer joy of stringing combos together and then finishing them off with the sort of pre-scripted torture attacks you know this game's actually chock full of qtes which is normally a a, a bit of a no-no off or it often is but um they they're all fun in this the boss the ones on the bosses even the the very final boss there's a sort of qte at the end where you're steering a bullet or well, not the yeah it's a penultimate boss towards his face um i don't think i could have handled the enemies being any more intelligent and i and i do think that is down to the fact that Darren, you are, you know, an expert action, character action game player. And for the rest of us, I think Bayonetta was just that right level of it making you work hard, but it felt possible. It felt like it was within your grasp to get that pure platinum level. And indeed, as Tony did, the thousand thousand achievement. And and
2: if you look at that, I mean, there was... I mean, how I ended up getting the thousand achievement points was a really long-winded way around to doing it. I'm, I'm, I, I believe you had to play it on hard anyway to unlock the the yeah, ultimate yeah. climax mode. But um, I mean, I was never going to go into that. I had no intentions of one thousand points. And I just wanted to play, you know, a good game. Yeah. Um, but the genius within this game, and and it really is because I can't think of any other game that has done this what I'm about to describe so well. Which is someone like me who is normally actually quite shy from playing these types of games. It's just it, something doesn't appeal to me. Like I said, not overly interested in combo-driven um, stuff mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so I, I was playing around on, I think it was on normal difficulty, and I was dying a fair bit. Actually, the, the starting area is pretty tough, um, whatever difficulty you're playing on. Um, and like so instantaneously, I wasn't really having fun because when you're dying in a game straight away, you're like, oh, maybe I made the wrong choice. And um, I'm sure somebody on Twitter said, look, just play it on. Uh, the very easy mode uh, and in that very mm. easy mode, they basically do the combos for you 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 um yeah,
0: I never even tried it, yeah you I, it just seemed so
2: wrong you you equip this amulet, and um it you basically press buttons in a direction and whatever it thinks context context sensitive, it does the combo for you, and it all looks very pretty and you know you have a you know rip roar in time um, I played through the game like that, and I was like, you know the spectacle, I'm sure we we'll get on to that was just mind-boggling and i and i loved it for it but i felt but really it a little
0: dull and exactly
2: i felt really quite empty yeah. by the end because i was like i should be able to do but the game's not massively long um so i i bumped it up onto um normal and played through it and you know i'd already seen the combos i understood how the, the mechanics of the systems work so um i started learning them you know one by one knowing which weapons i wanted to use because it's got a great um kind of new game plus throughout this game. Um, and with that i got I beat the game again on normal, and then I was like, "Well, you know what I'm, I'm going to give it going hard and there <laughs> we go i was I was taking these things down on hard and um if I talk a little bit for a second about how the the new game plus works because I think most people mm. should experience it yeah. uh, The fantastic thing they do with this game is they they do actually change up the way the enemies fight, so for instance, you you don't just you know take more damage you like any game normally does gives you more damage. A lot of the enemies, they start phasing out a lot of the cannon fodder enemies. They don't actually spawn into the world at all. You end up with what I'd class as the medium um, yeah. medium to hard guys being the cannon fodder, and then the real tough hard guys that take you 20 minutes to take down being like the sub-bosses, and then the really hard bosses appearing hmm. all over the place. Um, so it's got this great reward system once you're working your way through the skill levels. Um, and I beat it on hard, and I was like, I just so... So impressed myself that I'd managed to learn at last a combo driven game. Um, yeah. moved on to was it? Oh, is it ultimate climax? No, non stop climax, infinite climax, non- Inf- climax. Infim- infinite infinite climax. ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly a play on the pun of words, too. yes, yes, but um, it's quite a sexualized game. We made yes, we all get on that. Yeah. but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and with that, they take away the witch time. Now, witch time is vital in this game, um, yeah. it's the whole game is based around dodge mechanics, um brilliantly so because there's a risk reward to the dodge mechanics the longer you wait the, the you know the higher the reward with the um the time you can spend into the dodge so um that it becomes a almost a completely different game at that point because you know they take away the, your main ability but you should have learned the combos by then um, and your skill set is pretty pretty high so i did yeah manage managed to beat it i think it was four times in five days over christmas Awesome. Um, but the, my point is, you know, for somebody like me who wasn't in, you know, inherently interested in a game like this um, to win me over that far, it takes such a, you know, a, a talented team or a skill level to you know, take somebody and guide them through this process and, and you know, be willing to say, and this is what the Devil May Cry games never did or many other games in the genre never did, which, which was to say, you know, what, it's okay to suck at this. Let's just you know have a rip, roar, and you know romp through the, the title, and we'll teach you the mechanics as we go. And, mm. and it does this better than pretty much any other game I've played, um, and it should be a highlight to pretty much anyone else. So, you know, that's that's my experience of why I think you know it's you know even you know somebody that's not interested in this title could probably actually play it just for the story if they wanted to. Yeah,
0: Josh, what was your experience of actually playing it? How how far did you go with it into down the rabbit hole of learning? You
3: know? um- uh, I uh, normally don't bother with hard, uh, hard modes and stuff like that, mainly because I, I'm not—I don't really care about achievements or trophies. I just want to experience the game the way the developers wanted me to. Uh-huh. So I tend to just play on normal. But I played it several times on normal because I really enjoyed it. <laughs> right. Um, for me, what. I love about this game is just, I think it's a masterclass in game design. Um, Just like loads of little things, like um, just the way the enemies, the way they signal when they're about to attack. Mm -hmm. There's loads of things giving off a signal, like there's a little light that shines, they give off a little squawky sound, and then they attack. It's enough so you know what's going to happen, but not enough so you have ages to think about it. They give you just enough time to react. Um, and it's great, stuff like that. And um, I think Witch Time, as Darren said, is a work of genius. It makes combat so much fun. It gives you a chance to show off, which you can't normally do at normal speed. Um, I think the boss battles are possibly the best boss battles in any game I've played. Well, fun, agree.
2: yeah, for a start. Yeah.
3: And God, for God's sake, every game from now on introduce checkpoints midway through boss battles. Yes. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, the final boss battle had a instant kill that would kill you in one hit. Yeah, but it wasn't frustrating because all I had to do is go back one life bar instead of five life bars, so it wasn't so bad. Yeah, um, and I just think it was designed to to be as fun as possible. It was like Platinum was saying on the whiteboard, it was like, what is fun? What? How can we make this genre as fun as possible? And I think they, they succeeded.
2: It, it also goes yeah. as far as stuff like the puzzles in the game. Um, a lot of them actually are to do with which time, um, You know, say there's a beam of light that would come down to kill you and you jump out of the way in time, uh, and by doing that it would open up a door. Um, There'll be multiple little areas you would have to do combos on on walls and stuff. And and what it was actually doing was teaching you how to play the game whilst actually solving a puzzle. So it wasn't. It it felt you know completely in context of the game rather than like a normal puzzle within these things. Like we'll go and find the key over there to open that door. It was all very much within context. Your skill set, your moves. You didn't have to find anything. It was just there. So great. It's just great. You know, greatly designed. That's a terrible sentence. But yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, masterful, masterfully designed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess uh, for some people, the aesthetic, the audiovisual side, are while undeniably impressive, may be off-putting, whether it be for either the fact that the enemies are... It's all, it's all very outlandish, very surreal. Um, even if you admire on a technical level how much stuff it's throwing around at a very high frame rate. I think some people looking at the character design, the design of Bayonetta herself um maybe some of the npcs this very sort of crassly hypersexualized character who gets you know famously she shows more of her body off the better you're doing effectively uh in that when you summon the the biggest of your friendly familiar demons who who are made made out of your hair mm-hmm. um, you show more and more of your ass and tits off um to me i just I found the whole thing absolutely hilarious just like you know I'm somebody I'm I'm fairly left wing when it comes to things like this we talked about the misogyny in uh, in Shadows of the Dam being a problem and you know I'm you know I perhaps I'm I'm not to the point that it would cripple my experience of a game that was a bit dubious but this just the whole tone of this to me was so absurd and the fact that as is often discussed, that Bayonetta herself and the female characters are the empowered characters means that I didn't have any problem with that
3: side of things. You kind of become immune to it after a while, all the sex <laughs> and stuff. You just because they they overload it right at the start, so you have all this like sexual references. But after um, after a while, you just you're not paying attention to it anymore, but I- and you start. Sorry, Tony. That's
2: about, I think saying you become immune to it um, acknowledges that it's a problem, and I don't think it ever is a problem. I, I think there's a fine line between um, misogyny and and not within games. You know, they haven't done a particularly great job in the past, that's for sure. Um, but I don't think it ever does because it makes it very, very clear that she is the, the mistress of this game. You know, she is in control of everybody. In fact, the weakest characters in these games are the humans. You know, if anything, the 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 well, say the humans, the men. Um, you can class whatever mm. the angels, men may be. But uh, you know, for instance, who plays the 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 human guy? God, he's a, this Luca, the squabbling, the weird, weird fat bald guy. At oh, the start.
3: Danny DeVito look alike. Yes, um, Enzo, Enzo. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. the
2: weakest one of all. You know, and technically, he'd probably be one of the most powerful ones in 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 the human universe because he has power and money, but. Uh, ultimately, he's just, you yeah, know, a, a snivelling, uh, <laughs> I don't know, Just he, can be, he gets beaten around, but everybody gets beaten around by a Bayonetta. You know, her sexuality is used as a weapon um, and not, I, I don't think it's min, misogynistic in really in any any way.
3: I think it's a celebration of femininity, uh, feminim- I can't Feminism. pronounce that word. <laughs> yeah. It's a celebration of women in general. <laughs> I mean, yes, Bayonetta's like incredibly sexualized and that is may be offensive, but she's also funny. She's also extremely powerful and independent. She's clearly intelligent. She knows what she's doing. She doesn't let her emotions get the better of her. She's in control I think she's a far better role model than a lot of video game females. Well, hmm. and,
2: and the proof of that is that most of the people asking the, the, you know, this particular question were men on the internet. Um, when you actually went out there and looked, most of the women on the internet were saying, at last we have a, a female character that kicks ass. And, you know, she's actually interesting. She has a, a depth to her. Yes, sure, she gets a little bit raunchy on occasions, but she uses that as a weapon. Um, I know, you know my wife you know, in particular thought it was hilarious. Um, sassy from the most popular girls on the internet, you know, played through the game and, and loved the you know, the femininity of uh, Bayonetta herself. So, you know, even on IGN, I think they did a big story. I remember running it, and and pretty much it was overwhelming positivity from from women that played the game. So, I think it's I might be a reading
0: too much into it, um, and this may be, I, I may be looking for things that aren't there. But to me, Bayonetta isn't actually that sexually alluring, um, and I think it's almost like the producers the designers are saying look you know you you nerds you want these sexualized female characters well here's what happened if we do it to the max it goes so far that it's no longer alluring <laughs> it's that sort of thing where you know they talk about in uh, in, in times when it was uh, you know women had to be demure and not show flesh that you could get a raging horn at the sight of somebody's ankle um whereas now, you know yeah, well, unless you're an ankle fetishist, in which case you always do. But um, Oh, say it again. <laughs> whereas now, uh, you know, we can, we can see plenty of uh, male and female flesh in video games, but if you take it to this insane level where this woman's actually writhing and gyrating half the time and uh, she kills her doppelganger enemy by effectively orgasming it to death on, on the back <laughs> of a... Of I a, did find uh, that particular one
1: quite tasteless. I've got it in the <laughs>
0: Okay, I thought it was just absurd. In, it is absurd, you know, but a
1: massive pair of breasts fall on the screen right before she gets sexually tortured to death—a little bit too far, come here. Okay, I
2: thought you'd have been well up for that. <laughs> it's the ankles; he prefers ankles. Yeah. If it was yeah, an ankle getting snapped
1: that. in half, you know that might have done it. But mm. but uh, so it, the game does
2: mm. play a bit because you know you you have um, you know one boss in particular that tries to grab her ass. He smacked, you know, she slaps him on the hand and goes, oh, no, right. bad boy. Yeah, right at the start. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, then rips his head off.
0: But <laughs> so, Yeah, I mean, she, she brutally kills a lot of things in, in increasingly spectacular ways uh, who get on her wrong side, no doubt about that. I was reading an interview with uh, Helena Taylor, who uh, voices Bayonetta in the English version, um, and uh, interview on, uh, should credit them, thegamingliberty.com. They asked her, there's uh, a not so subtle sexuality to Bayonetta's character. Did Sega make you aware of this during the recording process? And how much of an influence did they have in the characterization of Bayonetta? Uh, Helena Taylor replies, no, they did not. I had no idea. But having said that, I could see from the picture of her, I saw at the audition dressed in black leather that she wasn't a shy retiring flower. With regard to the characterization, I got no direction from Sega at all aside from the initial written description of her at the audition. Um, Which, I mean, this is sort of, this actually opens a window into something which perhaps we've been aware of for a time and may come up again when we talk about Vanquish, which is in these days of Naughty Dog having a close relationship with their actors, particularly Nolan North and motion performance capturing entire scenes with actors together uh, and they're being you know very much directed and talking about their characters motivation and actually working out backstories and stuff for them this is very much a hark back to the old days that uh, perhaps some Japanese games have been been guilty of not advancing with the times as regards to their vocal and character performances in that this is you know this is a great sort of uh, example of that Here, here's your lead woman and all she's been shown is a picture and no, given no I, direction.
2: I think you could level that complaint certainly at Vanquish but Bayonetta I'm honestly surprised to hear that she had no direction of who her character was because she did not play it up towards
1: sexualization of that character. Yeah yeah. So, I mean there's a lot of innuendo in the lines that she says anyway you know.
0: Yeah I mean she might be being slightly disingenuous but I can certainly believe the, the fact that yeah, I, I, you know, I guess she has um, the maybe the the Japanese actress had more uh, time spent with her, and um, maybe you know this was considered a you know just a localization. So we'll just get this, we'll just get this this bird into the, <laughs> to a recording booth and uh, give her a picture, and away she goes. Um, they ask uh, the gaming liberty also asks how close is Bayonetta's voice to that of your own. She said "It's not like my own at all really. I decided that she, while she should speak in my own natural accent as they wanted a Brit, I felt she needed a deeper, more authoritarian voice, so I lowered my voice in an octave and also harshened her consonants and made them more plosive to make her voice a
3: weapon. You
0: know, that's a you know she luckily she obviously thought about it even if the people making the game didn't. <laughs>
3: I think she nailed it, to be honest. I, I actually surprised how good her voice performance is in that game, considering.
0: I mean, all the characters are kind of, as you say, particularly the male characters, Enzo and Luca uh, and the shopkeeper. I mean, the whole thing is, is not meant to be in any way representational of real life. This is hyper stylized, hyper real video game land, isn't it? Mm. This is not, you know, this is not trying to tell us, uh, it's not trying to be Mike Lee or something. Well,
2: and that also beds a little bit into the story, which is pretty nonsensical. I mean, I, I've played it four times. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. still a bit like, so who is this person? I, I, mean, I did a bit of research on, on Wikipedia, so they just covered okay, the story. And is, <laughs> tell and, us the plot. <laughs> and it's, you know, even reading through the plot in that way, it, it, it's not the highlight of the game. You know, it's there. You, you, all you need to know is that she got uh, cast out of um, heaven and you know two separate factions and one faction doesn't like each other faction and they're fighting to reclaim it pretty much that's she
1: was that, on a lake yeah. for a while no she's not and she's killing things
2: yeah she's upset
1: At, was, and her sisters
0: involved um who she fights a lot
1: well, which and, is odd because you know
2: other times we would criticize a game for, for not having uh, you know an in-depth enough story for us yet in here it it just seems to I mean it's the weakest point I think of the game but it, it it kind of just rides along the crest of you know, fun wave somehow and, and really doesn't matter. It's to be, to be honest, for me, I didn't really so.
1: manage to do that. Like, the first time out, I actually skipped a lot of the cutscenes. Really? Because, well, yeah, there are... I mean, I'm not someone who usually does that, but for the, for the visually impressive stuff, you would usually have to go through a hell of a lot of dialogue to get to it. And it just wasn't doing anything for me, personally. I mean, before this podcast, I went back and played it through watching the cutscenes. But uh, the first time out, I actually got bored with all that, and just, since I didn't know the quick skip, I had to go down and press um, skip movie. Are you sure you want to skip this movie? Yes, yes, I'm sure. On to the next one. Do you want to skip this? And it's a shame I didn't know about it at the time, because I was, mm. the action was fine, but the story was doing nothing for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's a very simple story conceptually, but uh obviously with with be, with it being a fantasy, they throw in a lot of strange terms and names and yeah things, but the, it is. the thing
1: is they try and overdo a really simple concept you know they over explain mm. everything that happens
0: as tony says it's it's witch versus demon world, that's all you really need to know it's uh, like this is a theme with platinum's games is that they are thematically perhaps you know some people might consider it retrograde in the sense that they're more they are way more like old arcade games they don't really have you know a a huge amount of depth put into their scenarios but But, in um, in some respects you you
2: could argue this they don't let the story get in the way of a good combat scenario
0: (laughs) exactly yeah or or indeed because if you try to justify the way this game looks and sounds you would uh, you could only end up with nonsense anyway as in yeah, you know, the mishmash of styles of music and visuals, the way you're at some points you're in a sort of uh, Germanic city with Gothic architecture, but then seconds later, you can be in a sort of beautiful oasis of magical islands. But you enter and, dream yeah,
2: sequences as well, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, It's just, it's like... The, the story is is just there to hang a video game on, which is kind of the old way of doing things, and and I think is more than forgivable if that's what you're trying to make a video, you know, a very a, a, a game, a video game with that looks that looks and sounds cool, as you know, people are kind of saying to me about because my criticism of Gears of War saying well sometimes a video game's just it's okay it's just a video game it's just kind of big stupid fun and i absolutely agree with that but it's whether you have aspirations or pretensions to be something more and uh and i don't think that platinum's games really do
2: well i I think we could have a a different conversation if this was bayonetta free and they'd been attempting to you know amalgamate the story into it more uh the time we got there and it's like well you know did it succeed it still hasn't succeeded one of the things that i think you know I, I certainly heard about this game um, coming into it almost a year late was the the inclusion of all these little nods and winks towards sega's other franchises because you know yeah it seemed to be like this love fest from platinum to sega itself um oh that's yeah. the thing i mean magical sound
1: show plays within about 10 minutes of starting the game
0: yeah yeah outrun music
3: uh, there's a space harrier level
1: and Josh, I know you've been doing a lot of. I've bit. got a mm-hmm.
3: list of uh, references right here, oh, if very you good. want me to go through it. Yeah, go through it. Um, well, uh, first one, uh, it says developed by Team Little Angels right at the start of the game. That's right. What's that a reference to? Can you guess? I don't know. It's Devil May Cry because that was developed by Team Little Devils. Um, uh, uh, there's a reference to Dr. Eggman at one point yes, at yeah, the beginning, he's dead. Beautiful Joe has a tombstone. Yeah. There's God hand moves. Uh, There's obviously like uh, Rodan's references to other games. Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4, blah, 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 blah. Bold Space Marine. I'm not going to attach a chainsaw to your arm. Um, There's... Hey, uh, Bayonetta's quotes as well. She quotes a lot of games. She says um, something like "Tension, uh, uh, baby." Yeah, which yeah, was a reference Joe. to Joe, beautiful yeah. Joe. She says "Flock off, featherface," which is a, <laughs> a line that Dante says. Also, I'm not. I could go on forever, but uh, I yeah. don't want to waste any more it's, time. It's
0: uh, it is indeed. A, it's it's a, a massive tribute to to Sega and Capcom and and their own games and uh, I mean it, it feels like a, yeah it it feels like more like a Capcom game just because its closest relative is Devil May Cry but all those all those uh, nods in it definitely do make it feel like a love letter to the medium in general which I guess is something that maybe elevates it in my mind as a an insanely passionate lover of video games
2: well and I, and I think that ultimately the cherry on top comes with the soundtrack
0: Yes, it's about time we talked about the soundtrack. So there are something like eight or nine composers credited yes, on this game There's yeah. uh, a huge uh, breadth of music. Obviously, the one that people remember is uh, are the various versions of Fly Me to the Moon, but actually uh, – and I know for some people that started to grate, uh, but never for me. I, st- I still get a buzz every time it kicks in, ridiculous twee version of, of Fly Me to the Moon. But also lots of the actual orchest- or, you know, syn- symphonic pieces are just majestic. It's the, the, the piece it starts with, which uh, hopefully I'll include, uh, Jay will stick into the show when I send it to him, um, where the the opening sequence is a spectacle in itself mm-hmm. where you're, Flying to Earth on exploding face, clock faces, exploding <laughs> clock faces, yeah. Um, and the the piece of music that's playing there is just outstanding. And there are there are just any number of great pieces throughout, s- straddling
3: any number of genres. My favourite track is still the Mysterious Destiny, which I know a lot of people got irritated with because it plays every time you fight. But it was like so, it got into my head; it, it was really hard. catchy. Yeah, and I and i i kind of like that style of like almost like 80s j-pop yeah. um 80s music slash j-pop music it was yeah. it was really great um and of course the whole thing ends with uh, an immensely cheesy dance
0: sequence uh just to, as if to reinforce how absurd the whole thing's been um when you complete the game you get a kind of choreographed motion captured m- End, seemingly never-ending dance sequence involving uh, the characters from the game and the demons and
2: stuff, which great. It just, it just is great. fuses the, the whole experience together, the, the the music in it, and it's, it's so some, somehow it's dramatic yet J-poppy and fun at the same time, and that's that's something very strange you can pull off. Um, I, I think the, the standout thing for me with Bayonetta is is how it kind of just walked into the arena, you know, this this third-person action—I wouldn't say action adventure, just action arena—and just blew every other person away. I, I know you will have conversations like, "Well, maybe Ninja Gaiden how was that title for Darren? But um, I think for me, it it completely showed because Devil May Cry started to wander off in the direction of like, uh, is this now relevant anymore? You have to remember as well. Even a couple of years ago, we were asking, "Are Japanese games relevant anymore?" Um, mm-hmm. Can they, you know, function, you know, or can they be a success within the West? Um, and along comes Platinum. You know, Mad World was an interesting title, but I, I didn't, you know, I didn't stick with it for particularly long. I think I got two mm-hmm. or three hours into it, and it mm-hmm. seemed very much like a one-trick pony and wasn't going to go anywhere else beyond that. By the looks of it, that's exactly what it was. But Bayonetta just, she walked into the room, kicked ass um show Devil May Cry series exactly how a new game of this generation should perform um and it put platinum you know sm- smack bang in the middle of this block and we're like wow who are these guys you know who are they made of and they're, of course you know we're talking a little bit of platinum about them in the minute who are they made of but um it's it's just you know a game like this is very special it doesn't come out very often a, a new development house pretty much comes through um shows the old guys exactly how it's done um, it's got the amalgamation, like I say, of the fighting style and the music, um, and it all just fuses into an absolute brilliant gameplay experience. I'm not too sure, like it's for every single person I know. Um, I think there still has to be a, a slight tolerance towards kind of um, over the top entertainment. But um, I yeah, think sure. if if you are like me, and, and we're a little bit on the fence, like where well, I, I kind of I don't know where I can get on into this type of game or not. Give it a go. It's so cheap to, to buy. Um, and it is truly one of the greatest games of this generation. And that's an easy thing to kind of band around. But uh, believe it or not, you know, the 10 out of 10 in Edge was, I think, you know, for once, actually quite justified.
0: I agree 100%. Does anyone have any rebuttal to that? <laughs> or shall we move on to Vanquish?
2: <laughs> Should we just say, you no, know, Darren, you'll have your Ninja Gaiden show one day.
0: Yeah, yeah, once we've all completed it, yeah? <laughs> once we complete it. Once, once, once you all complete, complete the series. It. Yeah, all five of them, including yes. yeah, including the original. But it, has, yeah. to okay, the, it game.
2: has to be said, if you if you play this on in Ultimate Influent Climax mode, um, then it it is a very very hard game. It's it's yeah, it's, it's certainly tough, no yeah. cakewalk. So I uh,
1: did that, by the way. Yeah. I never said it lot on, but I also have a thousand.
2: Yeah, you see, yeah, good man. Come on, Liam. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, well, one th- one just final thing I wanted to say. It's uh, I you know I had the Devil May Cry games at the time, although I skipped two because I was I read the reviews, um, but it's making me my love of bayonetta is making me look forward very much to the hd re-release of, of mm. the devil may cry games to play three special edition again and because devil uh, bayonetta has made me realize that i can you know even at my advanced years with my moderate abilities i can play these games because as long as you've got a, a, a basic amount of skill reactions hand eye coordination you can through practice and knowledge of the game and understanding of a game system, turn that into competent gameplay. And you know, so maybe I won't be always getting like grade C, grade D on on a, on a sequence that was dull. That was dull because you know I've managed to get you know pure platinums on some bits of Bayonetta, and that makes me think that maybe I could maybe I could do better on Devil May Cry three.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely be interested to see what you think of that when you go back to it. Mm. Because I've got to admit, Devil May Cry three SE is still my favorite game of that type. Yeah. I think Bayonetta comes in just behind it.
0: I think, that, I think that's, you know, I think that's fine. If you think, that, if you, if you think of Bayonetta as the second best of the five, of the, of the five games, including the four Devil May Cry. It's that, Mike it Rise. just
1: takes a slightly different approach and it's but more it uh, it's more targeted for certain people, you know?
2: Strangely, I'm just, I'm just glad I found a game of that type that I like and enjoy. And it's probably Did where you play from.
1: Devil May Cry 3, by the way?
2: I didn't. didn't uh, it? Uh, strangely, I went give it a from... Try. If you like
1: Bayonetta, try going back to it. I, I liked
2: one. Um I didn't play two like everybody had seemed to not play two. And then I played four, so Yeah.
3: Free free is very different from the others. It's very similar in style to Bayonetta in that it's just all about fun. It's, it's not shit about and taking windle. itself serious. Yeah.
2: I well I can see a cane and rinse on that game in the future, I think, once the HD releases come out.
0: Yeah, we're not only well. a few months away in it, so yeah. Uh, we'll be back after this to talk of Vanquish. Later in 2010, everywhere we got Shinji Mikami's uh, first platinum games offering—he uh, of Resident Evil 1 and 4 fame—PNO3 um, and God Hand, two more niche titles. Sega again published, and it was a very fast-paced third-person over-the-shoulder action game, which looked perhaps to be courting the Western market a little more ostensibly. But having said that, you know, it's not like the Japanese have never been big on their action combat shooters with guys in spacesuits and big guns and da-da-da-da-da. So I only just played this. I uh, was in receipt of a a review copy at the time. Um, Actually, no, it wasn't even a review copy because I didn't have to review it. It was a thanks from a PR company copy. Um, So that's why I only just got around to playing it. Um, it's quite fast, isn't it? It's, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite action-packed. Um, it has a cover mechanic, and
3: you slide everywhere on your knees. Anyone else? I hardly ever use the cover mechanic, even though it's there, mm. um, because uh, sliding around on your rocket boots and going into slow mo was far more effective at uh, taking out enemies than going behind cover and trying to. Keep yourself safe. I mean, I basically only used uh, the cover to recharge my... um energy levels when that thing mm. starts glowing red and you can't use slow-mo anymore. I think uh, Vanquish is fantastic just from a gameplay standpoint. Um, I think it controls really well. I really love those extra mechanics that make it slightly different from like something like Gears of War. I actually think I prefer it in terms of controls to Gears of War just because it's faster. Going back to Gears
0: does feel like wading through treacle and there's no doubt that sliding around your on your knees at 200 Miles an hour is more fun than well, the
2: roadie run. I think the thing we have to do now is, is do the setup mechanic of what this is because essentially, I mean, I you know, once again, do you listen to a show where you don't necessarily know what the game is? But I,
0: well, we know we know increasingly people Yes, are
2: Um and the, the easiest way to describe this is it is very uh, similar in, in shooting style to Gears of War, but um, and I I hate it when people do these analogies but it's the best one for this it's like gears of war on speed blah 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 but um
0: <laughs> it's like gears of war on assets
2: and, and and it is literally i mean so you're a, you've got this super duper suit um from our company, uh, a company corporation called is it darpa darpa um, who are a real thing aren't they uh, the, the yeah. Russians have invaded uh in in grand scale you're in the future and they've taken over this seemingly what is a spaceship that uh, harnesses harnesses <laughs> yeah, yeah harnesses, um the power of the sun um and you yeah, know that powers the Earth but it can it's, be turned into yeah. a weapon and the weapon it's
0: almost like a Japanese pastiche of all those American action movies mm-hmm. from the 80s where they fight where the America you know faces the big commie Russian threat um but here they've got. Massive, you know, the, like the Russian leaders are kind of weird cyborg, and they've got massive spaceships, and blah blah
1: blah. And they've got the capabilities to make a city in one blast. And they do, yes. Los Angeles. It's hit very nasty in kind the of opening sequence. Uh, San Francisco, isn't it? Yes, Is it? San oh, Francisco. San... And well. uh, you see all these people watching the blast, thinking they're okay, and then they bust apart like bag, bags of popcorn. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They do. They do. It Starts yes. off quite. Brutally. I mean, it never feels like a particularly brutal game, but... Uh, no, the tone is... Well, the the
0: tone is ridiculous. Completely over the top. It's it's like... Now, I know Josh uh, is a big fan of the works of Steve Blum. Um, and in this game, he plays uh, Lieutenant Colonel Robert Burns. Uh, and the main Who character... is an ancestor of mine, I believe. Uh, the Robbie Burns? Yes, not He's
1: put one. aside and he's picked up a Gatling gun.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um... Gideon Emery plays, in again, obviously, in the English version, plays Sam Gideon, uh, who is possibly one of the worst, most naff, embarrassing action hero video game...
1: Bullshit! <laughs> I'm calling you out on that one. It's He's terrible. got amazing lines. They are the most cringeworthy... Uncanny Brilliant dialogue of there ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well yeah, but
0: you're saying you're saying amazing and cringeworthy. So yes. uh, I guess we're coming from a similar similar place. So yeah. Um
1: it's it's See the thing is Yeah. His lines are so bad that they drop off the bottom of the chart and, and then they back, appear yeah. again at the top.
0: Like Bayonetta's uh
3: sexism, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think um, Vanquishes uh vanquishes <laughs> just as dumb and just as ridiculous as gears of war is but i think it wears it on its sleeve a bit more than gears does i I think the
2: problem is that at times you think it's trying to have a serious point about you know christ no i do (laughs) honestly a a couple of times i'm like are you trying to be serious and then all of a sudden they'll they'll just do a throwaway quip and you're like okay maybe not um that's even better because they're keeping you on your toes you know they are. I mean, so, basically, so we've got the setup. The Russians have invaded. I mean, what more of a setup do you need for this type of game? Um, and then it just goes. It's it's so over the top in in, in its gameplay. Um, once again, a bit like Bayonetta. But what they did with Bayonetta is you know reimagine what a an action game uh, could be. Um, I believe
1: they did exactly the same with this.
2: Yeah, and there's, and I think they 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 looked at Gears of War and they said, okay, well, you know, that's starting that that kind of third person shootery. L- Malarkey's starting to get a little bit stale. Let's see how we could just take this to the extreme, and, and they do. And so the, their their version of extreme is, um, I mean, the weapons are, are pretty okay, standard to it to a degree. I mean, you have rocket yeah. launches and, and there's machine guns few, and sort of, shotguns. Yeah. Actually, yeah, actually stopping
1: there for a second. One of the really cool things about this game that's slightly in the in my opinion, is that you've only technically got one gun.
2: You have, yeah, and a it suit yeah.
1: You've got. I think it's called the blade system, which uh, dynamically adapts to. Any gun that you come across and like takes its properties. That's right. Yeah. It's really cool just to see it. I just wish they'd done a little bit more. Just oh, to show yeah. off with it, you know. And
0: there are there are some slightly more outlandish uh, alternative weapons. I mean, some of the ones you pick up, the sniper rifle, the the the, the shotgun, the uh, rocket launcher they're all quite standard but there is the um the one blade. that fires a load of lasers in the air yeah there's there's one that fires a blade and so there are some some more outlandish options now yeah. having played through on normal i didn't fully explore the um sort of what actually are the best loadouts and because you upgrade you need to choose which guns you're going to upgrade throughout the game i mainly used a combination of the standard assault rifle which is a great gun anyway feels great to use and the rocket launcher so upgrading those two is pretty much good for any situation but i was interested i noticed there are some there's like an achievement for killing multiple soldiers in one go with the lock on laser that's hard Yeah. yeah you would need to upgrade that several times before you could uh, do it easily um i was also wondering i was going to ask did anyone buy the dlc the only one i think there's one piece of dlc for vanquish the tri weapon pack and what i was wondering is uh now this being a, a platinum game and a japanese game and an arcade game in the old in, in the new sense of the word i suppose uh this has a high score you can basically go back and play any area for for score it becomes a score attack game once you've dealt with the story um i was wondering if this weapon pack is a bit of a swiz. in that is it's essential if you want to perform well, competitively I mean,
2: online darren all darren can actually talk about it but i mean I, I did a bit of research thinking you know is this something worth buying and it seems like it doesn't affect the gameplay too much like they they've they've got, all got their positives and their negatives to it much more yeah. than just you know they're gonna you know wipe the floor but darren if you've used them
1: that yeah, to nice. be honest, I think the armor piercing handgun is possibly a bit more powerful than any other weapon of its type. But I'm absolutely certain that you can't use it, at least in the survival modes. You know, you only get like a standard loadout. Okay, so
0: what, does it just, do these just turn up during the campaign then? or?
1: Yeah, they just, I think they appear in like pre set points where mm. there weren't um, like weapon drops before. Oh, Suddenly there are.
0: That's odd. I mean, it's not a very expensive piece of DLC, so it's very
1: I mean, cheap. And I, you, no, I mean, it didn't sell too well, so I just kind of bought it to try and throw some more, more money that way, you know. Fair
0: enough. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, I was just enough. concerned that it would be one of those things that you'd really need it, but obviously you don't. So that's cool. I'm, I'm totally cool. Yeah.
1: I mean, I couldn't tell you for sure, but I doubt it would change it that much. No. Yeah, that's what cool. I read anyway. So I mean, what I was trying to get
2: to then is that I, I think you know the setup, the story is batshit crazy um, and, and pretty nonsensical once again for a, a platinum experience. Um, but it 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 focuses all all its effort into the gameplay again, and yeah. I I came I only played this this week, so you know once again late to the party on this one. Um, and I wasn't sure I was. I, I played the demo a few months back and was like, yeah, you you got a cool suit, and yeah, you slide around a bit, but yeah. <laughs> once again, I, I should stop playing demos at this point. I I, I realize this.
0: We could we could do a show actually as a topic on. Why, de- why, yeah. demo's is wrong.
2: <laughs> um, but you you quickly realise a couple of levels in that the speed this game runs at is incredible,
0: oh. and the responsiveness—that's
2: the key. Yes, and it's... I
0: was watching. So I was watching a like a high level play video earlier on God Hard, the unlockable mm-hmm. God Hard mode, and like Josh says, this guy never uses cover, and more. Moreover, he never walks anywhere. You roll and you slide everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. That's the only way to do it properly.
3: Sorry, can I just <laughs> talk about some of the cool things you can do in the yeah, game? please. Um, smoke a fag. That's cool. Uh, that's pretty cool. Smoking a fag. Um, it's not but kids. It's not I like it's how cool. you can. Um, <laughs> I I like how I accidentally found ways that I could combine uh, abilities. Um, one of the moves you can do uh, when you're uh, you know in that full sprint is that you can run towards an enemy and kick them in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was an effective enough move on its own. What I didn't know is that if you do that and then press the aim button while you're still in mid air, you'll go in slow-mo so you can start shooting at the guy you just kicked oh, as you fall nice. down to the floor. And I found that a really effective way to deal with the bigger ones because mm. you'll kick them, take away half their health, while you're in mid-air, you take uh, take away the rest of their health with a heavy machine gun. It was so satisfying.
2: Well, yeah, and you say that cover is, is useless. Quite often what you can do is jump out of cover, and as you're mid-air jumping out of cover, you can go into slow-mo mode and take a load of people down before you actually land on the ground and then get out, get out of the way. It's Yeah, everything pretty, in this game is...
0: Designed to make the player feel like a bad motherfucker, you know. You, you, even though the the character does this in a very kind of obvious 80s action movie way, it's uh, it it does work in those moments of gameplay where you do, yeah, roll in slow mo and you're you know shooting. I think the I think the coolest sections in the game. Uh, there's a, there's there's an on rails section. It's not on rails in that you still have control of your character, but the the you are. Uh, on a transport, which is on rails, a train, if you will. <laughs> and uh, and it's looping around another train. So you're you're taking cover and shooting things that are on a track above you and stuff like that. Just really great moments of imagination that take you out of the the constant, you know, go behind cover, roll, stop, well, and all that sort of
2: thing. The action in this is relentless. I mean, you, you argue the same thing about Bayonetta, you know, with the constant music and bayonetta has that feeling that you're always you know, involved in in something that's always happening around you. In this, the music's meh. You know, it's okay. It's there, it exists
0: high energy. Yeah, yeah. but
2: um, it very rarely is the sh- the shooting um stopping or diminishing around you. And I th- I think the the s- the slow mechanic is is a, a way kind of for them to to relax what's going on. So give you two or three seconds to kind of catch your breath on occasions. I mean, I found myself doing yeah. that. I wasn't always activating it um, purely to you know, to give myself a better combat situation. Sometimes I'm just like, give me a breather. I just want to get over from this area. Yeah, those
0: little first-person sections, aren't there, which give you a breather, but that's it. Tiny, tiny. Yeah. Well, that's the Sorry. thing. I
1: mean, the, the ARS system actually kicks in if you're almost getting killed. You know, mm-hmm. if you get critically yeah. wounded. It gives you and, a chance, yeah. Yeah, and you've got enough bar left. It'll automatically kick in just so that you can basically either avoid bullets or get to cover or maybe even kill the guy that's doing you in. Does that happen yeah. in
2: ultra-hard mode as well? I'm wondering if it's like a Bayonetta theme where they take away that, that
0: crush.
1: I'm fairly sure it's still there. Yeah.
0: I played the game through on normal. I don't know about everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I reckon Darren probably played it on hard at least. Uh, uh, yeah, I God Hard as well. God Hard as well, yeah. Fuck you. And, <laughs> uh, I didn't do so the survival I... stuff. <laughs> uh, all right. Tony, uh, Tony got that by cheating, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, not cheating. Yeah, it's gaming it. All right, gaming the um, system. But I was going to say on normal. Uh, although I didn't die many, you know, loads and loads of times over and over, there were a couple of sticking points where yeah. it did get quite challenging. The, the there's the uh, the two the two robots section um, in Act Four, I think it is, or Chapter Four. Um, that's tough because it's actually a point where it's not the robots that are killing you, but it's the fact that you have to concentrate on what the robots are doing and there are several ground troops as well. So that took me a few goes. But overall, uh, on normal, the game's not, not that bad. And actually, the, the last boss, the last boss fight was over so quickly, I didn't think it could have been the last boss fight.
1: Being completely honest, this game didn't really click with me right away. Which was kind of surprising. I mean, I played the demos too. It wasn't for me. Had really good things about it from a lot of people that I trust. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brad Galloway in particular. You know, he was really effusive in his praise around it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, me and him are usually in the same wavelength. So I tried it, and I still didn't actually enjoy the game up until about the end of Act Three, where it all just finally clicked. And what was just chaotic visual mess became this fantastic battlefield that I was actually in control of.
0: Yeah, I know, because- I know what you mean about that visual mess. It's certainly because I, I, I had booted it up before playing it through for this show. I had booted it up a couple of times and played the first couple of stages, and I did think, yeah, it's a bit messy, isn't it? But actually, once you realise that yeah, the like, enemies are before all... Before you actually
1: figure out how everything's working, and- how all the yes. components work together, yeah, you would usually die and then just be like, what the hell just happened? Because there's any angle that is exposed... So, like, if you're stuck against a wall, you could still have been killed from anyone around you um, that isn't directly behind that.
0: Things will just come in as well. Things, uh, you know, places that you think you've cleared, it's worth keeping your own radar because sometimes the door will open and three more robots will come in. And in themselves, like, one standard robot enemy is not a problem. But three of them, when you're not in cover, is very quickly a problem. I I think
2: while we're still talking about some of the the more negative aspects of the game, uh, for me, it... Repeats it. I mean, the game is quite short. I mean, I believe you know if if you know what you're doing and you play on the easiest difficulty level, people are saying you can do it in less than three hours, which is ridiculous. But I mean, for me, I think it took five or six. Um, I I sound like there's not a great deal in variation what you do throughout the entirety of the game. There's a lot of similarity in the shooting. Um, You know, it's not going to be a Halo experience where you know there's many angles you can uh, attack a combat situation. Nine times out of ten, it's very much. Head down pretty
1: yeah, straight not, and narrow. I'm not paths. entirely convinced about that. I mean I mm. played it in a fairly straightforward way. But um, one of the reasons that it was kinda of repetitive for me was I approached every situation the same way. Mm. And um, I'm curious to see how you how you could approach them using different weapons or coming at it from different angles, you know. Mm. I get the feeling you could play it in a way that feels repetitive. But at the same time but I do it's... get the feeling that there would be variety if you chose to like explore that variety.
2: Oh, I, I agree with that, and yeah, you know, I've seen the YouTube videos where people are doing the challenge mode, which is incredibly hard. By the sounds of it, um, where they're throwing um, EMP grenades, you know, one one step or two steps in front of it where you think, "Well, why are they throwing it that there?" And it's because they've learnt the patterns of stuff. I think it can be very rewarding, but the things like the bosses. I mean, there's there's about three, four different bosses throughout the entirety of the game, and they reuse those bosses five or six mm. times. Um, you know, and the game's not particularly long, so they they tend to pop up you know more of, of frequent appearances than you would expect them to do so uh, although yeah, definitely the, the bosses are fun um, it,
0: yeah they are it's, and and they you know and they're pretty spectacular uh, the you know the amount of stuff that's moving around and, and again at that you know they obviously are platinum they they insist on a very high frame rate you know, i think this is 30 frames but yeah, that's feels like, frames. yeah i, I but, like the so. boss
2: that kind of dismantles it where it breaks itself apart and then that's a cool boss and you have to fight yeah. you know
1: obviously it's got and the glowy of red spot th- but the second time you fight them, there's also a really nice, uh, basically a bunch of robots giving themselves some really? by, like, dancing to music. Yeah, oh, really I love insane. that bit, yeah. yeah. That like, so I funny. thought I'd come across a secret area when I mm-hmm. seen that. And yeah. that's actually on the main path. Yeah, it is, yeah. No, it's I've, just uh, really cool. I
2: recorded it on my, uh, on my phone as well, because I was like,
1: is this... <laughs> is this? And it turns out,
2: because, you know, to explain the the scene itself, you, you've been fighting these, you know, what well, are called cannon fodder bosses throughout the entirety of this game, and, and close to the end, you wander into this room... And uh, they're they they having a little dance. They're they're booging away to this great big beatbox in the room, and yeah. they're doing like twists and twirls and moonwalker style yeah. dancing. You're like, what the hell? And yeah, you, totally. you I, know, I watched that you, for
1: at least five minutes, and I then did I felt too. like a bastard yeah. when I killed them.
2: And I was like, well, how close and you can actually walk right up to them, and and not until you stand oh, really? in the middle. Um, do they they, they take offence to? But what actually happens? Yeah, it's a spoiler, but you know, you should know this by now. The beatbox, I, I believe, turns into the boss itself. That's, that's the actual, um, if you actually look at the scene, he turns into the, the thing that you know, basically chases you around, that boss. To be honest, I, I think I missed that. Yeah, sort of like, i, I the read um, that that is the actual case. Uh. <laughs> yeah.
1: Are you sure? I, I thought it turned into a boss. I
3: swear I killed that thing. Oh, the it could come up from the wreckage mm-hmm. because that
1: boss is repairing itself. And, yeah, it uh, does, yeah. Basically um, forming okay. itself with a lot of crap around, you know. <laughs> we'll get emails. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. that's for further uh, investigation, to be honest.
2: But it, it's just that it's a charm. It's a real charming scene and kind of, yeah, you know, it it's, it's so lighthearted and you're like, you know, I nothing but respect for these guys when, uh, yeah. you know, when the developer does that. You
0: know. And again, that comes back to the, the the idea, the thing that keeps coming to mind for me is that this is, it's kind of like a modern Contra. Now, obviously we've, we had hardcore uprising this year, which is like,
1: which is fantastic. by the
0: way. Yeah. It's a great game. It's, it's a contemporary Contra. It plays just like Contra did back in the day. However, if arcade games had stayed in the position that they were and being made by yeah. japanese uh with increasingly large budgets and, Basically, and more if they were keeping
1: pace with uh, console development i would think
0: yeah this you know you think about Trigger, sega's sort of first person shooter yeah, on the dreamcast this is this is that kind of thing this is like an 80s 90s arcade game turned into a full retail console release and it has all the same tropes of those games, ridiculous uh, plot about yeah what it's about and we've already discussed, and ludicrous cutesy moments within loads of carnage, and tonally it's all over the place. So one minute you've got people being exploded by, by microwaves, and the next minute you've got cheesy gags with a with a guy flicking cigarettes at enemies and things like this. It it's. It's kind of how, like, playing in my head when I was playing Contra games in the 80s and early 90s, I guess this is where I thought video games would end up. And in a lot of ways, they haven't because these, these are now the niche products. But it's every bit as much fun as, as playing, like, Contra 3 on the SNES was back in 1992.
2: I, I think what makes them so palatable as well is that, you know, I know I may, I may be in my, alone in my opinion where I kind of felt like Shadow of a Dam was very much you know, wanting to appeal to a Western audience and kind of lost a little bit of its, you know, uniqueness mm. via that. Um, I think, for me anyway, both these, you know, both Bayonetta um, and Vanquish, they are just what they are. They, they're they proud to be Japanese. I mean, the, the reason... Proud to be video games. Yeah, proud to be right. video games, proud to be from the West. But at the same time, um, they entice a Western audience because they're fantastic, because they're just great experiences and, and video yeah. games. Like there's there's certain I think Vanquished more so than Bayonetta. I think there's there's more nods to a Western audience within that that formula. But you know, they they especially don't especially in the dialogue. Yeah, my, yeah <laughs> as cheesy as it is, um, but they don't—they don't, they don't seem to just, you know, target themselves directly at the Western audience. they just say, like, look, if you want to be a part of this, come along and be a part of it because it's fun over here. You'll have a good time, um, yeah. you know. And so few games get that. Um, and I, for me as well, Vanquish, I, both Vanquish and Bayonetta, and it seems to be like a, a platinum um, trait at this point. Although you know, we'll see with the upcoming games. Is that they, they just deal with um they have this like effortless effortless style to them. Mm. Um like nothing seems to be hard. It it just works. Like although you know the stories and them are the, just all over the place, the gameplay itself is just sublime. It's it's brilliant. You you fi- find yourself getting drawn into the action, um Vanquish in particular if you're playing, you feel like you can get into a zone once the music's there and you're sliding around and you're, you're into slow mo and you're taking out characters left, right. Um, and you, you just find that groove. Although there's so many short checkpoints in uh, Vanquish. Like some levels last all of two minutes and you mm. run to the next one. And sometimes that's a bit disorienting. Like that's, that's done. And others last Something about, awesome yeah.
1: usually happens in those two moments, yeah, two that's minutes.
2: True. So. Yeah, the bridge. <laughs> the, the bridge in particular the, is particularly. The bridge is the highlight for me. It's ridiculous. About two and a half minutes done. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. The, um, yeah. And as I, as I said on Twitter the other day, the writing in this, the dialogue does make Gears of War 3 look like David Mamet or something like that. It's, it's, it's astonishing, but I don't think it cares. I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting. I was watching. I was the... actually
1: playing Hill Reach, like, shortly after Vanquish. Mm. And I was wishing that it had exactly the same type of dialogue as you find <laughs> in Vanquish.
0: Because it, yeah, well, rather than have the portentous sort of semi-pseudo-series. Halo
1: Reach is really up its own backside from a dialogue yes. and story
0: standpoint. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Unless
1: if they you just said the
2: novels. <laughs> Unless you're into the universe, yeah.
1: If they just said, screw it, you know, let's uh, try and have fun with us. I yeah. think, aye, and uh, not only did they, dis- did they say, let's have fun with us, but they had the most inept screenwriter they could find. <laughs> the entire game would have just been it's a throwback
0: to you know the sort of resident evils of 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 the 90s where you know voice voice performances were first becoming more of a thing and in japanese games they didn't necessarily get people who interestingly though uh like um one thing that filled me with um perhaps uh, an irrational amount of pleasure was the fact that one of my favorite things as a kid was the uh, 60s batman tv series the, the very camp one and uh Looking up who played uh, President, the president of the USA in this, President Elizabeth Winters. It's, she was a uh, bitch. It's Lee Merriweather, uh, who was Catwoman in the in the 60s Batman TV series. And uh, the face is modelled on her as well, which is just brilliant for me.
1: And all of us, I'm sure.
2: I would love to let the the, uh, the Halo Reach comment slip, but <laughs> I, I think they're entirely different games. I, I think if you. so saw...
1: it's not. I'm, I'm not being entirely serious there, but I just think that it would have been fantastic as a, sort of like a crazy off-kilter idea that I had. Maybe that's a
0: future a future option. Is you can choose the tone to your games. So you could have like either a you could have a, either camp, uh, stupid action movie or portentous
1: serious. <laughs> See that that would actually be quite cool. I mean, it's kind of like that Star Wars thing where uh, was it Jar Jar Binks had all his lines cut out and like replaced with subtitles.
0: Yeah, the fan edit sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: and uh, instead of just being like this comedy bullshit, it was actually interesting dialogue apparently.
2: <laughs> Apparently.
0: Hard to believe, but yeah, I've not seen it. So. I, that's, no, no, no,
2: no, no. I think the, the problem I found with um, Vanquish, it, it does come close to throwaway fun. Um, yeah. I enjoyed my experience for it. I probably am going to attempt to go through it again on hard uh, for the achievements at the very least. Um, but it, you know, if we bring into comparison to something like um, Halo, for instance, it, I don't think it has the depth of, of combat, like you know, coming up against characters and, and you know, sussing what to do. It, it's there, but it, I don't think it's particularly that deep. I
0: would watch, I would, before you say that, I would watch some high-level play videos. I've seen some, because, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, it, It. you know, it's, obviously it's by its nature, it's repetitive, but I mean, that's, it's no more a valid thing than saying, like, a football game is repetitive, you're just playing football over But and I, I again wonder whether or, that
2: high-level play is barred barred out of, you know, someone like me that, I mean, I, 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 I got there with Bayonetta, so maybe that's just, you know, a, a rubbish statement, but...
0: I don't think it does have the depth of Bayonetta, say for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, you know, the 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 option to go back, like it's it's a game that now I've finished it, I'm not thinking right. I'm going to trade that in because I can think about just dipping into f- it from time to time to to go for the challenges. Baron, in the how, high school
2: how, has it got like a new game plus? Do you take over weapon upgrades and stuff like that? and You go for hard mode?
1: I don't think so. No, I'm pretty sure no. you start no, it's starts it from clutch doesn't. every time.
2: Actually, I, I did like the. I, it's got a really unique upgrade um, weapon. Um, I aspect didn't to like it. the upgrade system, really? but I, on you go.
3: No, what, I hate it. What is weird it. with it yeah. is
2: that you can pick up an upgrade. So the up, you, there's two types of upgrades. So the standard upgrade is this green thing on the ground you pick up and it upgrades your gun one, one whole spec. That's,
1: that's fine. One match. Uh, that was okay. Yeah. Um, the
2: other type of upgrades are you, you pick up. A gun, and if you've got um, maximum amount of bullets in your gun, then it upgrades it a proportion. So I think you normally have to pick up free ammos to make an upgrade. That's how it normally works. So by that, if you enjoy playing with a particular gun, then you're very unlikely to get that up, that gun upgraded because you're always using the ammo within that gun. So what you have to do is use other guns, pick up the weapon, pick up the ammo for the the gun that you're not actually using to upgrade the guns that you want to use. It's kind of backshit crazy um I, I, that,
1: that, that, that was me exactly the problem why for me. i don't like exactly it. because you want to use the guns that you like using you want them to upgrade as you're using them and you're forced to use guns exactly, that yeah. either they're not as powerful or even more importantly they just might not be as fun for you so it's kind of restricting your ability to have fun with the arsenal that's presented to you from that set of the game what,
2: what I started to do I was, I was upgrading the the assault rifle and then using the heavy most of the time and then once you know then I'd swap between those and have a shotgun and I just I focused on one weapon at a time kind of then have three of the other ones I want to use in
1: the future in the remaining slots yeah it was an interesting experiment some people might have liked that but um, it just wasn't for me
0: I'd certainly topped out my uh, assault rifle long before the end of the game and it was pretty damn powerful so as yeah. I said by that point I was just divvying up Upgrades between the other weapons mm-hmm. as I found them, and and yeah, it worked okay. But it was never, it wasn't a super clear system. It wasn't always that. You know, it wasn't obvious what you were going to do to your gun, or or yeah, and you could just mistime, mistime the firing of one missile, let's say of your rocket launcher just before you could have got another upgrade. Yeah. But no, you couldn't get one stuff like that. So yeah, not not the best system. Not the not the strongest aspect of the game, but certainly not a game breaker.
1: Speaking about the weapons in the game, how much times did you guys actually use the cigarettes? never, only for fun, twice. Neither did I, and I think that was another aspect of the game that they could have at least made more obvious, because I went through most of the game not even knowing about them. It gives you a tooltip on the loading screen, that's it, that's the only... Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's a random tooltip as well. Yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, I got to a point in the game where I flicked out a cigarette completely by accident, and all the enemies, since they're not human, you know, they go by heat signatures... They were like, holy shit, it's a cigarette, kill it! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they completely ignored me, and I destroyed them. I think that the game should possibly have introduced you to a little bit more of what some Gideon can actually do.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, sort of very obvious smoking of cigarettes in cutscenes, but that doesn't translate in your mind to, uh, oh yeah, this
1: could be a really handy game. So that's it's really pretty cool. Nice. Exactly, yeah. you know? and there are moments where using it correctly will completely leave you free to just decimate the enemies.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, but yes, as you say, it's not particularly well communicated to the player, arguably.
2: What did you yeah. guys think of the setting as well? Like, as we said, it's not based uh, it's not on Earth. Uh, it's I think it may have been all about
1: one note, but it was a beautiful note. I mean, it looked good, I mean, yeah. it allowed them to do stuff.
2: Uh, I think, Leon, you were talking about earlier, that like you, you were in this train that was spinning around because there's like a 360 degree. Um, your services Double everywhere. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Um and there's two or three times in the game where you know the actual environments look gorgeous and they're throwing stuff down you um you're dodging <laughs> it out of the way. But uh very scripted in, in those sequences. But it kind of just eventually all kind of blended into one. Although it you know it was a lovely to look at at the start, you kind of just end up just focusing it out, I think.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's like it's it's odd because there's there's some some quite strong stuff technically going on, but mm. it was rarely a game where I was going wow it's not like you know skyrim or something fine, over ahead, to be go honest i think
1: there were times in vanquish when i was just like looking up into the sky and since <laughs> you're on a colony a where it's like uh, curling around yeah you would actually cool. see another part of the colony and
3: i was like that is really quite cool i think for me it's just that everything in the environment doesn't have much personality mm. it's kind of just that generic like sci-fi look so um, it doesn't have the same personality that Bayonetta has because Bayonetta had this crazy art style, interesting enemies and really interesting environments. And Vanquish looks like visually very good on a technical level, but from an art style uh, standpoint, apart from maybe uh, Sam Giddy and Sue, it's a bit dull. Mm. It's
2: also a bit grainy, I found as well. A little bit washed out. I didn't find it dull. It's
1: just that a lot of it did kind of blend together, you know.
0: Mm. I agree with you Tony as well it does have a sort of haze over everything doesn't it it's not, I don't don't know if that's to enhance engine performance
2: Thinking about it, it it does share similarities to me with um, God of War 3 when I played through that, in in the fact that there's a lot of the cannon fodder you just kind of blasting through and the bosses are stand out interesting moments I I think I preferred it more to to God of War 3 myself
0: So yeah, uh, we should sum up because we just want to have a little talk about the future uh, products from Platinum Games before we sign off Um, I really enjoyed Vanquish, I think it's very cool I don't think it's like an essential game of the generation in the same way that Bayonetta is but if you like action games and if
1: you grew up as I... As far as shooters go I would actually disagree and say that it is something that nearly everyone should play Fair enough.
3: I don't think it's iconic in the same way Bayonetta is for me, I think it's very very good and I'd recommend it to anyone, Mm. but Bayonetta stands for me as one of the best games of this generation and Vanquish is just Pretty damn good. I agree.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I pretty much agree with all those comments. I, I think Vanquish is a really fun blast through of a game, um, and
3: also very cheap
0: now, as we say. Yeah, very Another much so. One. And I think yeah.
2: it is. You know, like Darren said, I think it probably is a game that you should play, even if you play on. You know, once again, whatever the easy easiest difficulty is, um, mm. just just to experience. But I don't think it's as as interesting as Bayonetta was. Um, although you know, slightly different teams within Platinum worked on these on these properties. Uh, well, absolutely, it's, um, it's
0: uh, yeah. Mikami, not Kamiya. So then, next up from uh, Platinum Games, we have, just a month away or so, uh, the next game from Masaki Yamanaka, who was uh, the main man on Mad World, as I understand it. Uh, This is another game in their, uh, is it a five-game deal with Sega? Um, Perhaps the fifth one? I'm not sure.
3: I don't know the... It must be, because
0: um, they did Mad World and Infinite, Infinite. Yeah, thing, what which right. apparently is just crazily I hard. know in,
2: in the news the last couple of days they're saying that they want to extend that deal with Sega as well.
1: So I would, Clearly, I would hope
0: so, because yeah. they, they, they marry up very well. These Also, kinds I'm of,
1: pretty sure that Bennett is owned by Sega as an IP. Cool,
0: yeah. I mean, the, you know, this, these are exactly the kinds of games that Sega should be publishing because they, they tie in so well to the kind of games that Sega used to make in their heyday.
2: A long last. Um, They've, been, they've yeah. been searching for a development like Platinum. And this yeah. should be all internal Sega, really. Exactly what they were good at. So.
0: Yeah, so Anarchy Reigns is a brawler, uh, um, multi-character. There have been an 11 characters announced so far, but um, although it does have the odd gun in it, they're very limited in ammo, and effectively it's an arena combat game, but it's fisticuffs, so I suppose it's closest relative, somewhere between Streets of Rage and Virtual On.
1: I had I comparisons to Spake Out as well.
3: Oh spike out. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Um I got to play a, a bit of this game at Eurogamer. Oh, very good. And and um I was quite impressed by it. I don't think it has in terms of combat the level of depth and complexity that something like Bayonetta has. That could be a problem um, given the type of game that it is. Yeah, that I was about to say like in a multiplayer arena. I'm wondering uh, about depth.
0: That's looking at it today on, on video I'm thinking is this going to last with anyone?
1: Yeah, I mean the thing is, fighting games, and I'd assume that these arena combat games, would rely on accessibility and depth.
3: I think it's very accessible. I think there's depth there if you want to explore it. Mm. Um, And I think each character um, that they have available to you is very different in terms of style and the way they move. But I don't think it's not going to be like Street Fighter. I don't think I struggle to imagine a, a community building around that game. Yeah, it's not like the same the way something like a progressive a
0: beat em up. You know, it's not like the real streets of Rage Four or something like that. Well, and I, I think the problem yeah. is
2: you look at the platinum games we talked about; they're all single player. Um, for whatever reason, pushing this into more of a, a multiplayer focus thing. I mean, mm. I played at Eurogamer as well, and I'd, it just it just felt like a, a weird experimental Japanese game that probably shouldn't see in the light of day here now. What I'm being very cautious on is, that I think you know every single one platinum game so far look quite shallow on the surface, and and once you dig, you know just scratch a tiny bit, then they become you know quite deep and really interesting games. But playing this, I, I just didn't get the feel where it was other than anything other than just kind of like a almost felt like an Xbox Live arcade fun brawler. Um, Ooh. Well, I mean, yeah, which my you know for someone like you, know, you never know, Darren. It, you might you might have a really deep combo system that we're not seeing. And, you know, judging games before we played them isn't really something we do here, but... Um, no, exactly. Balance
0: know. is interesting because, you know, I don't know how many characters they're planning on having in this, but it's going to be very difficult to to have it so that any character is selectable and usable in, in such a game, I think.
2: But at the same time, you know, there shouldn't be anybody out there trying to put them in just into a pigeonhole of, well, you're good at this and do that, and how dare you go on off an experiment. But it, it kind of looks a bit like um, Lollipop Chainsaw, which I know uh, Darren's definitely excited about as well, so which is more single player focused.
0: And so, to finish, uh, the other thing that we now know they're working on uh, that, that was a, a, an in house Konami Kojima production, that's not an oxymoron, is now back. Metal Gear Rising Wint's Revengeance.
3: The greatest title of all time. Yeah, it's not... I refuse to call it Revengeance. Revengeance. It's just Metal Gear Rising. Yeah, I'm with That's Darren. It.
0: It's
2: just Revengeance now.
0: Okay, we got 50-50 uh, lovers and haters for the Revengeance uh, subricade, but um, they're making it. So what can we expect? Uh, I would imagine a very fast-paced action I would s- game.
1: I'd say that there'll be a definite mix of Revenge and Vengeance in this game.
0: Do you think? A
1: portmanteau, if you will. I think there's a good chance of it. Yeah. I, I think it's... Um, I mean, we're all going off a trailer that was shown at the VGAs here. I haven't even watched the trailer. Um, it's very impressive. It 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 really conveys that kind of feeling of Vanquish, but with the crazy over-the-top kind of like in-close action of Bayonetta. It's a fusion Sounds of cool. those. It looks a lot like Vanquish, as I said, you know. it's There's a brightness to it that I wasn't expecting, and uh, it just looks batshit insane. <laughs> I believe the problem is that a lot of the MGS... Uh, lore
0: fans are worried that it's very cheesy, yeah. very light, not, but, doesn't have but the seriousness. Is the I'm
1: um, getting absolutely sick of people that are like, you know, I understand that it's a treasured franchise for them. At the same time, de- they've already said that it's a spin-off, and it doesn't look like they're just panhandling it out to a studio that doesn't know what they're doing.
2: They haven't at all, have they? Because it's, it's actually Kojima uh, of, on full for doing the story. So Kojima are doing the story. Um, Kojima yeah. are doing all the cutscenes. Um, in fact, in fact, that makes me a little worried because I, I love you know platinum style of doing the cutscenes. Um, mm, and platinum shit. are doing um, just basically working on the gameplay. Uh, this project, by the sounds of it, was actually cancelled. This was something that was you know Microsoft pushed out as you know it's coming to the Xbox, but Konjima Productions just couldn't find a way to make the look you can slice things in half actually any more interesting than just you can slice things in half.
1: Exactly. I mean, he goes apeshit on some of these enemies. You know, they're not just like end quarters or eights. They are in tiny little pieces that mm. you would need a bucket nice. to collect them in. But whether that okay. that
2: becomes fun after you know six hours of doing that on the nine hundredth person will I'd to wait assume and see. that
1: that would be close to uh, sort of like a torture attack in bayonetta.
2: So mm, maybe.
1: That that's just kinda of like my take on it. If if they tried to Sorry, completely can... put the game just under this slicing enemies into certain uh, quarters, probably wouldn't be too interesting when it, uh, all came together. Sorry,
3: can I just go back to the uh, Metal Gear fan uh, reaction <laughs> to this okay. game? please do. Um, uh, just, uh, I'm speaking as a Metal Gear fan. I've played all the games and I, I love them. I think um, I like the trailer from a gameplay standpoint. I think... Um, I'm pretty confident that Platinum is going to produce an amazing yeah. game. I think what me, and and I know Sean, um, who's part of our team, absolutely hates about the trailer. I'm not as negative as he is, mm-hmm. but um, it does bother me slightly, is that the tone uh, is completely off what Metal Gear is. Um, and Raiden seems to have changed personalities. Um, in Metal Gear Solid 4, he was a, very much a brooding, serious kind of not willing to just take a life he's not just going to kill people on a whim it was actually like a a decision he made to this guy who's like yeah let's have some fun ripping these people (laughs) to pieces yay isn't this fun the
2: tone that you were after was where this game originally was which was a prequel to metal gear 4 wasn't it so it was yeah metal gear 4 (laughs) pardon yeah um and now it's it's after you know after all that story has has come to an end. Um, so it's it's Raiden's continuing adventures. Um, so you know there, there is a time period gone past. I mean, I remember you and me were having this conversation um, the other day about you know, the seriousness of the Metal Gear storyline and how it doesn't totally fit right. And I was like, "Are you crazy? The the tone of Metal Gear, uh, the tone of Metal Gear is out there anyway. It's so far out there.
1: I'm sure that it's you guys crazy. have played the Twin snakes, haven't you?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although I don't really like I don't think the cutscenes in Twin Snakes reflects the uh, the rest of the series. I don't think
0: so. Kojima's a big fan of the Twin Snakes either, is he?
2: Apparently not. But
1: uh, I kinda like them, you know. I thought they were an interesting take on it.
2: Now that we know that Kojima productions are the one actually handling the storyline themselves, you know, they they can't blame Platinum if this title goes off the rails because that's true. Honestly they you know uh, Kojima already said that he's you know, he's involved in it and he's pushing it and he's he's doing the story stuff, so you know, it's it. Quite frankly, I've never been the biggest fan of some of the gameplay mechanics that Metal Gear have produced. Um, I've always thought the story itself was kind of more entertaining than the actual gameplay. So, if they can marry those two together, then you
1: know, I, I think I'm going to be quite happy with this title. I, I mean, th- I think, early Metal Gears, if they could uh, kind of get those, uh, first those storyline brilliant. beats together, yeah. I think that this the the series was stronger um, at storytelling near the start than towards the end, when it started to really. Waffle. You didn't play huh? Metal
3: Gear Solid Three, then, did you? I did. Yes. Did you play? I Metal played the entire lot, and they've the got them all um, story-wise.
0: This is not the Metal
1: Gear Solid show. <laughs> we could do it, that show. Yeah. Uh,
0: we may or may not visit Metal Gear Solid in the future. Um, okay, well,
1: let's get back to Revenge the then. Revenge. The
0: <laughs> no. We're, well, we're kind of out of time. Um, what, so what
2: I will want to say though is, yeah. I, I love the history of where um, Plasma Games have come from. They're, I mean, they're, they're all basically employees of Clover Studios, which for whatever reason, Capcom decided to fold that studio up, For responsible for games like Akami and Beautiful Joe and God Hand. Yeah,
0: because they didn't sell, because they're too niche, <sighs> you know, and as much as they were critically lauded and adored by the fans, uh, they weren't commercially that viable.
2: Yet Bayonetta um, sold, was it, around one and a half million copies, and I think Vanquish is a million seller as well. So mm-hmm. maybe they just needed the time or better i don't know better publisher i think maybe
0: you know there's something to be said like i i love all those team clover games that you mentioned absolutely um but i think there's something to be said that vanquish and bayonetta are more marketable than some of clover's output um and whether that was a conscious decision to get themselves up and running you know maybe we'll see something more uh for i'll use that that word artsy down the line something more niche maybe we will but or maybe you know, looking at Anarchy Reigns, they still seem to be going for a fairly broad sort of appeal. In well, you know, aesthetically, if not in in gameplay terms.
2: I, I think you know, it's a, it was a great um, deal by Sega to bring these guys on board because you know, for for once, it's it's put Sega back on the map, which is a you know a very rare thing nowadays. And if anything, if you look at some of uh, Capcom's recent output, certainly in single player wise, outside of their fighting genre, mm. they seem to be lacking a fair bit. And uh, you know, yes.
0: Couldn't agree more. So, as ever, our blog is at canandrince.com. There's new stuff going up there all the time. Today, an article from James Carter, who you've heard on this show, about... Well, effectively, it's talking about why we're not doing a game of the year list or show here at Kane and Rinse. Worth a read that. Uh, we are part of the Character Select Network.
2: If you want to continue the chat from the show, uh, come over to the forums. That's at characterselect.net forum. And of course, if you want to talk to us more personally on a you know, quick, quick basis, then Twitter. And you can be found at Cane and Rinse
0: you can email us if you like canamrins at gmail.com and you can like our Facebook page which is facebook.com slash
2: And if you would love to leave us or if you'd like to subscribe to us, we hope that you do on iTunes, uh leave us a review and rating are very welcome. In fact, we were just perusing those today, Leon, and uh, having the discussions about three-star reviews and five star reviews and yeah. But they're
0: all all welcome. So. Absolutely, yeah. Um and you know, some people have said that uh, they're not so keen on the format because they don't want to listen to every show. But that's kind of the thing. We don't mm-hmm. mind if you don't listen to every show. I mean, by all means, you know, if you don't want to stay subscribed, we're certainly not going to hold a gun to your head. But if you do stay subscribed, you might want to play these games in the future and then come back
2: and revisit the show. Something like Vanquish, I, you know, there's no such things as spoilers in Vanquish, I don't think. We didn't yeah, tell you the think, end. I don't um, think we spoiled either. But hopefully we, at, at we wept it to your appetite to actually uh, try out a game. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, that seems to be uh, that seems to be in a lot of cases what, what the show's doing. So that's all good, getting mm-hmm. people to play stuff that they might not have done otherwise. Uh, so that's all from me, Leon Cox. Thanks again to Tony Atkins and Joshua Garrity and Darren Foreman. We'll be back in a week with a podcast all about one game. And that is Battlefield 3. So if you're playing the play along with Kane and Rince game, you might want to get the single player done or you might not want to bother. Anyway, until then, goodbye.